Hello, this is Grant Kirkup, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I'm Sam Hughes and I'm very happy to welcome back Grant Kirkhope. Thanks for joining us, Grant. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. And glad to have you back. We've had you on a couple of times before, so it's a pleasure to have you here again. Yeah, no, like, I haven't learned your lesson yet. I've been on again. It's like, a, you know... <laughs> <laughs> we just want more it's punishment, like a complete disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, one of your most recent releases that you've done music for is Ukulele, which has been very well received by the public. It's a fantastic game. Uh, fantastic platformer which i don't think we've really seen many 3d platformers uh of this type recently it's more of a um, kind of a retro feel isn't it yeah i think we kind of didn't want to just have some kind of old knockoff retro thing you know it's supposed to be bringing it up to date you know mm. so it looks better hopefully sounds better all that kind of stuff so i think that um you know, I think it hasn't been seen for a while. So people are, some people are a bit in shock about, oh, this is what that game used to be like in the old, in the good old days. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are getting, because it's not really a handheld game, as in holding your hand around the whole thing, go to here next, go here next, it's open world, you explore, you find everything yourself, we're not going to give you any clues kind of thing. Yeah. People haven't had that for a little while. So I think some people have, people have kind of gone, oh, this is completely different. Hang on a minute, no, no, no one's telling me what to do. What am I supposed to do, you know? So, um so it's been quite a fun thing to see people kind of go, ah, right, I see. It's all about, you know, I just wander about until I find something. There's no arrows or anything like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember a friend of mine telling me, she was like, oh, it's it's really irritating trying to find everything. But I missed that. Yeah. Like, you know, she missed that frustration of going everywhere, looking for everything, because so many games do just handhold you all the way through. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole point of it, right? I mean, people used to scour the mario games to find like yoshi on the battlements in mario 64 and yeah. all that stuff that people found you know and the extra stars and the secret stars and like that's that's the whole point of it. it's in donkey kong country it's in mario it's everywhere you know so i think we wanted to make sure that we had that element to it that's a whole that's a big part of the game right it's like you know exploring the game to find out and you go oh good it's found something i didn't know what's this do you know so um yeah it's been it's been funny to see people get reacquainted with that genre. Yeah, definitely. And it's been in development for a while now, hasn't it? Like a couple of years since the Kickstarter? Or was it only a year? No, I guess about, yeah, a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, we put it back a little bit, so it was kind of supposed to be September, but it came out in March. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, a couple of years probably, yeah. Yeah, so originally it was, um, so it's Platonic Games, isn't it? Yeah. So they're a load of old friends that you worked with at Rare, aren't they? Most of them. Indeed, yes. It's all, it's actually, the it's kind of the core of the original Banjo-Kazooie team. So that's why the game looks and plays the way it does, because it's the guys that made those games back then. You know, it's like me, Steve Mills, the artist, Chris Sutherland, the programmer, um, you know, and various of the guys at Platonic who are all involved in it. So it's kind of a core team that did the did Banjo game. So that's why it has that kind of signature feel to it. Hopefully it sounds that way and looks that way and plays that way, because um, those guys made those games back then, you know. Yeah, I mean, it really is like an up-to-date Banjo-Kazooie in a way. You can tell it's a spiritual successor made with a lot of reference to the original. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that we kind of touched all the nice, warm, feely bits from the first game that everybody liked. Yeah. And um, some new stuff that we've all learned over the years, hopefully. Yeah. So, like, hopefully we're all a bit better now than we were back then. So, you know, we're all hoping that we're going to have made better stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, we wanted to make sure we had all that stuff in there that people like, plus us and bits and pieces, you know. So, and I guess in some respects... I kept thinking about, wouldn't it be great to make another Banjo-Kazooie game, and, you know, and with the actual characters? And the more I thought about it, I thought, I'm not convinced it is a good idea now, because I kind of feel we've done it all with those two characters. Yeah. Like, you know, all those moves that you learn extra in Banjo-Tooie. Um, like, what more could we do with it, really? 
It's a bit like, you know, it's nice to have two new characters with new, with new abilities you can do new stuff with, you know, try invent new moves and stuff, you know. So I think that, um, no, it's been a really great, it's been really fun to do. It's all my old friends, but they're all the same old piss taken. It's up. Nothing's changed but it's in 18 years, whatever it is. We're just the same people, except we're older with grey hair with wives and kids and mortgages now, right? Than we did before. <laughs> so, you know, it's just the same old joke-telling, Mickey-taking. Like it hasn't... It's just as if Banjo 2 was yesterday and Ukulele's today. There's been no gap in time. It's just... It's like, nothing's changed, right? Everything's just like the same. And it must be great to be a part of a team that feels like that. Oh, no, it is. It's fantastic. Cause, and also, everybody can say, look, that's shit, and not get offended. You know, it's like... Because no one's getting offended, but it's going, all right, I'll do it again. You know, it's, it's not like that. Like, you know, so... All that stuff's really great to, it's great to experience again. It's been a really fantastic time, you know. And when was the first you heard about it? What was the first conversation you had that had ukulele in it? I think, I mean, like prior to that, right, some of me and some of the banjo team um, had a bit of a secret thing where we wanted to try and, you know, make another platform game. And we thought we'd do it like in, in sort of a, outside the town of our normal jobs. That was the plan. Yeah. So yeah. I was over here, but they had a little, little secret meeting in a pub in uh the Midlands somewhere, uh, and uh, we've got a little tiny demo going on an iPad, really, by jumping around Cube. But that's as far as it got because we just could Everyone was so busy with their real jobs, they couldn't possibly do it. Right. And it kind of took a little bit of time went by, maybe about a year, I guess. And then it kind of got to the point where Rare had a few layoffs um, of you know pretty senior people that I thought was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, and some of so it was good that some of those guys got laid off. And some of the guys quit. So it was the first time that the, the kind of core banjo team was actually available to do a game. Um, so um, that was a really special event. And I kind of say it was a kind of happy set of fortunate disasters that got us to that point. Yeah. Because some guys lost their jobs, etc. You know what I mean? Some guys quit and took a risk. Yeah. But also, uh, Gavin Price, who was one of the designers at Rare, he had, um, and his wife, had uh, run a cake shop in Burton-on-Trent called Delicious Desserts, I think it was called, Delicious Delights, I forget the name of it. We were all, it's a moment when I was, when I was at Rare, like, we were all like, you're mad, guy. you're going to get a bloody cake, yeah, it's going to be great, the wife's a cook, and it was, it was did really well, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, but what, it, what the benefit of that was that Gav was used to, like, you know, getting business loans, paying people, setting stuff up, because yeah. it was left to the rest of us, it just never happened, right? But Gav was like, let's tell you what, I'm, I'm going to set up a company, I'm going to do it. And so that was a catalyst, and I kind of, because I had quite a, a decent sized Twitter following, I could kind of get it out there, yeah, yeah. so people knew about it. So it's a, it's a great kickstart in, in, you know, in, uh, you know, in some respects, so I could kind of get the word out that this was coming. I was trying to keep it quiet because I was getting so excited about yeah, it. Yeah. But I was so happy to get the, to kind of tweet out, you guys should all check out this Platonic thing, you know, and all that, you know. And then the kickstart was planned, um, and it was we were asking for like two hundred seventy thousand dollars a pound, I think. Right, yeah. Was it dollars? Dollars, I think. Dollars, yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's what we thought we could make the game for. At that point, there's probably like five or six people on the in, on the game in in earnest. But of course, it went ballistic, right? You know, it just went daft like that first day. Yeah, it went into ridiculous. Made that amounts, 40, didn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like forty minutes made that. Mm. It was ridiculous. And by the first day with a million dollars, it was like, oh my god, it's you insane. Know. Yeah, that's where it starts to get a bit serious because you all start to shit yourselves and think, oh my god, we really, <laughs> we've got to really do this now. And <laughs> yeah. it's, we've got to make it great. Or everyone's going to kill us, you know. So. Yeah, it's been a real. You know, I don't think we'll ever forget that that Kickstarter thing. There's so much love shown from the fans of the, you know, people. And yeah, I mean, people put their hand in the pot in their own pocket to fund the, to help you to make a game for them. You know, it's, it's so special. It's nothing like that. You know, it's, there's no corporate middleman. It's you know, there's just like the developer to the punter who buys it. Yeah, that's the purest form of that relationship, right? It's just fantastic that 
people wanted to give the game so much they were prepared to pay for it, which is like unbelievable, you know. Oh, um, so, yeah, so it's been an incredible thing, really. I can't believe it's actually out. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's a really good game. I enjoy it myself. I've really, really enjoyed playing it. Um, and I'm just curious, what, what was the brief you were given? Because you're so relaxed with the team. Did they even give you a proper brief or did they, you know, they just say, oh, you know, like you did on Banjo, it was really good. Do that, but better. It was a bit relaxed. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit relaxed. Really. I think it's a bit like that. Um, I think they're all used to just kind of giving me four words and going, go on, just get on with it. It'll be fine like that. And so that's kind of where it went. Um, I think I rewrote, I maybe most of the stuff that I did was probably I got it right first time or second time. I'm not saying that because I'm great, just because I can, just because of the way it worked out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, was yeah. um, I rewrote Shipwreck Creek, I think, because I did a, a bit of a too jolly version of that. I wanted it a bit more sedate, so I rewrote that. Also, I changed the, the ice level, the glitter glaze glass here, because I had it written some kind of. Because when I did that tune, I did a little 30 second kind of ditty for, you know, kind of example of uh, the ice level for the Kickstarter page. Yeah. Um, but. Um, and I was thinking, you know, freeze easy peak, jolling along kind of thing. Like at that point, there was no, 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 there was nothing to look at. So I just kind of guessed. And when I saw the level, it was like, it wasn't right. It didn't fit. It was too jolly. The level's a bit more serene, a bit more. Yeah, it's a bit more placid, you know, isn't you know. it? You know. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of rewrote that. I'm so glad that digs. That's that's my favourite piece from the game. And Andy Robinson is a, the guy that the guy that wrote the, the script, and he's a comms guy. He was he said, "Grant, you've got to change it. It's not, it didn't fit." So he really pushed me to change it. And I'm a bit of a moaner, you know, I was like, yeah. oh God, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad he did that because I'm really happy with that tune. It's my favourite tune in the game. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece of music. It's it's just really, um, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. It is just really peaceful and serene, but has almost a Disney feel to it in a way. You know? Yeah, I, I was trying to do my John Williamsy thing that I like to do. Yeah. But I'm not, not, so I, I'm not so I can do be as good as him, but I try, right? So um like there's that bit in the middle where the trombones come in. That's my kind of John Williamsy moment. Yeah, John uh, Williams nod. Yeah, that I bask in. Um, so yeah, yeah, I try my best. Yeah, I wanted to try and write something that was it was pretty and beautiful and like, you know, it summed up the scenery. It was very serene, very beautiful, you know, level. You know. Yeah, definitely. And as we've said before, it is very closely linked and related to banjo kazooie. How much or how little did you use banjo for inspiration for this? I don't know if I used it for inspiration, but I, you know, I know obviously how the harmonies work in Banjo Kazooie. I know, I know what gives it that flavour. Yeah. You know, so it was that was important for me to make sure, especially like the first tune, the Jungle Jake, Jungle, not Jungle Jake, that's Donkey Kong, isn't it? It's uh, Travel Stack <laughs> Tropics. Yeah, I'll get the right one in a minute. Get confused now. I'm getting a bit old, right? Um, so, <laughs> they're all, yeah, they're all mulling so around in there somewhere. I know, definitely. Yeah. So that was probably the most Banjo esque tune I think in the game. Um, so. But, you know, it's all that tritony harmony thing. It does turn up all over the place. Um, I think uh, Moody May's Marsh is a very kind of, you know, sort of uh, Mad Monster mansion -y. Not as jolly, but certainly, like, harmonically, it's, it's a very, it sounds a bit like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I never really did a space level properly before, so I guess doing the, the Galleon Galaxy at the end thing, that was a bit more back to the future in my mind, I thought, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's just, like, you know, it's, it's it's a bit like I know how all, the, all those harmonies work, and so I, I know how to weave it in there to give that banjo-kazooie flavour. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to hopefully use some stuff that I've learned over the last 21 years or so of being a composer. So, you know, some extra bits that I've learned over the last few years, you know, so a bit of a mishmash and try and smash it all together. Yeah, definitely. And just curious on that point there, you've been composing for so long now. 
What? So old. <laughs> what do you? What do you still <laughs> learn? Saying, Sam, it's all right. <laughs> what, do, what do you still learn at this stage? What What did you learn recently that you've used on this game that you may not have used before? Oh God, I think you learn every day. I mean, like you know, I, I don't think you. I think the, the day you think you know it, or you should give up. Yeah. Like I just don't. I'm not like that. I like. I just. You know, I feel so in awe when I listen to other people's music. I just kind of go, "Oh Christ, they're great, and I'm shit." <laughs> I can just do that. I do that all the time. Like I just think, "Oh my God, that listen to that piece. It's so fantastic. It's way better than I could do. It's depressing, you know, like that." <laughs> you know, so I'm never happy. Like I'm only ever like 75 percent happy with the stuff that I write. Maybe you know, I never get to that point where I'm thinking it's fantastic. I just think, "Oh God, that's the best I can do." You know, really? I'm, not, I'm just not good enough. You know, so I think that I'm constantly in awe of other people. When you hear stuff, I kind of what I've, what I've listened to recently, but I've just thought that's amazing. Let me think. Um, that's what I listened to recently. Funny enough, I listened to a lot of Nightwish recently. Oh yeah, yeah. Funny. I like a bit of yeah, Nightwish. Yeah, and I really, yeah, and I really enjoy. I, you know, a friend of mine used to like me years ago. And I used to just never listen to it. I used to think he was talking about nonsense. Yeah. But I really listened to it. And I really like it a lot. Um, I've, I've kind of and my wife's gone. Oh my god, Grant, stop listening to that bloody Nightwish. I've stopped listening for the last six six weeks. You know, um, so. That's really, I really enjoyed that a lot and going to the three singers that they've had and then, and then you know, and all that stuff. And yeah. I like the way they, they weave in the kind of cinematic element to it, uh, that, you know, with the, with, the, with the orchestra and stuff and some great tunes. Yeah, the and... Poet and the Pendulum album has, like, was it a 13 minute track where it's all very, very cinematic? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some great stuff. Really, I really liked it, you know. So that's something I listened to quite a lot recently, which is a bit weird. But, you know, John Williams is a never ending source of inspiration to me. I, I, I listen to his music and I find something new in it every time. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll never get to that level of his excellence. I'll never get there. Like, you know, it's something that I'll strive for to the day I die and I'll still, <laughs> ever, I'll still ever make it. So, you know, if I pick up little tricks from him here and there, that's that's my, that's my, he's my textbook, right? Well, he's the thing that I open every day and learn from. He's my educator, if you like that. I, I listen to that stuff and go, God, I'll never get to that point. I just haven't got the, the brains, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've just not clever enough, like just startling really. So, yeah. I think you know everyone thinks about music in a different way is the key thing to remember isn't it so you'll you'll listen to a piece differently to someone else will listen to it and someone else will write a piece different to how you would have written it yeah I, I suppose so I just I just think that you know everyone's got the heroes right and he's mine yeah of course. so I yeah just you know and I've got yeah I just find him incredible that I don't know is it <laughs> yeah. well that's how, that's how the true masters do it you see no one knows how they do it they just uh, I know they just magic. come out with this magic yeah yeah. But um, some of your music has already been played live, hasn't it, recently, even in Leeds up the road? Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that's really fantastic. To, yeah, I heard that. That's great. You know, and plus the fact people like people do like cover versions of my stuff like, all over the place. Yeah, I was going to say that. You share a lot of covers and they're, they're so fantastic. And honestly, that is so unbelievable people do that. I, I, I really love it when they do it because they always do something I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. You know, and it just and it just I always think it would make it sound way better than I could have done it, you know? <laughs> you know, like just incredible. Like, you know, I, I can't go over people taking, like, I, you know, we know how long it takes to write a piece of music. It takes a long time, right? And to record something and mix it and get it all right and then do the video. It takes oh, ages. yeah, it takes forever. Yeah. And, the, and the, the work people put into it, it's just like phenomenal. Can't get over it. Oh, yeah. And personally, I love a lot of the, uh, the metal mixes that come out as well they're, yeah, they're always really yeah. good i mean like there's that there's that gabba karina 96 he does a great job at jules family jules does a great oh, job family jules is brilliant yeah there's he did that one at the weekend of the ukulele compilation and he the, the version he did of glitter glaze glassy is just like had me in tears like it's just a great big lush chords and the trombone but it was just smacking away with the guitar it was like it was awesome yeah <laughs> and of course you weren't the only composer on ukulele but you did do most of the music didn't you 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah, so it's Dave Wise and Steve Burke. So um, because it was a banjo-esque game, it was obvious that I'd probably do the, the lion's share of the tunes because it's right by street, right? Yeah. But like going forward uh, with, you, with, with more platonic games that I've got planned, you know, or, already, um, it may be that Dave does the next one be more him or that Steve's doesn't have to be more him. You know, it's just like, because it's obvious what bits suit what composer, right? Because we know each other so well. Yeah. You know, it was obvious in ukulele which bits I should do, which bits Dave should do, which bits Steve should do. You know, and going forward, it could be that, as I say, Steve does most of the next one or Dave does, and I did the least next one. You know, we don't know. So it's, you know, that's the way it's going to work because we know each other so well. It's no trouble, you know. Yeah. And when you say the next one, do you mean the next ukulele or do you mean the next one from Platonic? I mean, the next game, I don't know. I can't tell you what's going on, can I? It's all secret. <laughs> almost, almost got something. <laughs> no, you're not catching out, sorry. <laughs> so um, what was the biggest challenge of ukulele? Um, I think making sure that you weren't on autopilot. Yeah. Making sure that what it wasn't just like, oh, this is like the old days, this is easy peasy, and still trying to push the bar personally. All the guys felt like that. We all wanted to make sure we did better than we did back then. Yeah. So, and I think it could have been easy just to go, ah, oh, yeah, I can, I can just go one part, one part, one part, like I do, you know, and, like, and it could have been like that. And I just wanted to make sure I just didn't do that. So I think we all were really conscious of that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And would you say there's a, I mean, I know that, um, uh, remind me of the name of the glacier level. I'd always forget. Glacier Glaze Glacier. Glacier Glaze Glacier. That's it. Um, yeah. is your favorite track. But would you say yeah. you have a proudest moment in terms of writing music for that game? Um, it's probably that. It's yeah. probably, it really is probably that. It's that middle section with the trombones. Like, you know, you always wonder how far you can push it in video games music before it becomes not appropriate. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but, and I just felt that, that I just managed to get the get it just right for that bit. For that bit. Um, <laughs> so I love writing that. You know, um, I'm trying to think what other tunes in that game. I like writing all of them, really. I mean, you know, you know, I always, people say to me, what's your favourite track? And I do generally choose a track that I like, favourite of all. But, or what favourite game? And I'm, I've been so lucky to write, um, music for tons of great games. Like I've just been really fortunate that people have asked me to do great games, you know. And yeah, yeah. I really don't have that kind of like, oh, this is my shining moment. You know, I just, I'm just happy to be working and happy that I've worked on great stuff, you know. So it's, um, you always have a few bits of, you know, little heart-wrenching moments that you think that's special. And sometimes people don't even notice it, the bits that, that mean more to me than anybody else, you know. Um, they just, it just glosses over. So it's that, 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 that composer thing where I think that it's sometimes easy to get lost in the minutiae of it all and get lost in the, you know the, the bits that are really composery that you think are great but your average listener just doesn't spot it at all yeah and i think it's a really thing to remember like sometimes i i might find myself getting super complicated and my wife just goes oh it sounds like a racket what's going on there you know <laughs> like but she likes a jolly tune that happens 10 minutes later you know and yeah i think i constantly remind myself that most of the listening public isn't as tuned into that kind of music as the small percentage of people that are in you know are composers or whatever you know yeah but it can it's easy to get trapped in that write music for your peers rather than your actual audience well yeah i mean everyone's going to be appreciate different things i was saying this the other day about steve Vai. like he's he's technically amazing yeah and some of his tracks are incredible but to watch that all the time just constantly technical twiddling yeah um some people would find that tiring whereas some people would really appreciate what he's doing yeah but other people just appreciate that it sounds cool and it's a nice melody. Yeah, but I'd say the audience is way smaller for the technical part than for the job for the for the master. Exactly. Part. Yeah. Yeah, like that's my wife totally. She's like, when she hears Steve Vai, she just completely turns her off. Like you know, most yeah. people's conception of a great guitar player is probably Eric Clapton. Yeah. And he plays very slow blues, right? And I really don't like his playing at all. I never liked it <laughs> ever ever. Yeah, for yeah. me, I'm like Eddie Van Halen, Steve Vai, all all those guys, right? 
I mean, I guess Brian May or, or even Angus Young are my kind of my kind of guitar heroes. Yeah. Um, you know, but like most people will not go that far to Steve Vai or Joe Satriani or, or any of those guys. I just don't get it right. Yeah. But equally in music, the bits that John Williams I really love are the bits that people probably won't even listen to because it's really complicated. Yeah. It's got lots of stuff going on. But they love the Harry Potter tune or the Star Wars tune. But they won't like the, or the music that comes after it because it's complicated and not tuneful and you know and all that stuff. You know, so I think it's, yeah, where it's revisiting motifs yeah. or like counter melodies yeah. and stuff like, like that. Like I always yeah. said to composers at Ami, you know, if you're gonna write introverted music then write a go and write your symphony go and write something for you and then it doesn't doesn't matter what who likes it it's only for you right yeah but if you're right if you're a paid composer writing for somebody else you better make sure that they like what you write or they're going to find somebody else to write it you know and, and most of the time they're not going to want to hear fiddly widdly widdly music they're going to want to hear a good tune and something they can remember whistle along to whatever you know so that's been my mantra i think forever i've always tried to write something that's memorable as a composer it's easy to get caught up in like try the, the kind of the equivalent of Steve Vai guitar playing in, in writing orchestral music, or whatever, you can get caught up in that yeah. flashiness, and which no one really gets except you. And, it, and I think you do, you, you have to be careful because you could easily, people just go, I don't like it. I don't, I don't understand where's the tune, where's the beat, where's the whatever, you know. So I think that I do have to constantly remind myself, you know, to, you know, to make sure that there's, a, there's a something you can remember in a piece of music that will carry over the bits that perhaps they don't remember <laughs> you know yeah yeah i mean the idea of like catchy tunes or well-written music and you know can see evidence of this on the internet is that it doesn't need a 90-piece orchestra to be good mm. it, it needs to be well written for it to be good yeah and be a good piece of music yeah. so you know without a 90-piece orchestra if it still sounds good in like chip tune or 8-bit then it's an awesome piece of music yeah like with the when i did the ukulele main theme um, I did a kind of full-blown orchestra version, which actually turns up in the game as a challenge tune. Um, right. Yeah, it's that kind of main theme that done like that, and that was my idea for the main theme. And Andy, Andy said to me, he said, "You know, I don't want, I know because I've, I've done a quick demo of me playing ukulele, and I thought I was whistling along to it." Like, yeah, like yeah. And, uh, and so he said, "Yeah," and they said, "Yeah, we love it. Yeah, can you, you know, can you make it for the game?" So I thought, "Oh yeah, I'll do a full version like they wanted." They went, "No, we wouldn't, we not want that. We, we liked it just with the ukulele." And, and I just, I so, so I thought, so I just did ukulele recorder. That's it, right? The strips yeah, background, yeah. it's just ukulele, that's all it is, ukulele and me playing a chord and nothing else. Uh, and I like, that's it. And I, and I just, I think it, that was a good example of me going, oh yeah, I need to make it a really full-blown, massive orchestral, you know, thing. And then going, no, I don't like it like that. I want it to be simple, like when you, when you sent it to say, that iPhone recording you did of it, you know. So I think, yeah, it's, yeah. You, you know, that's a good example of that. Well, this is it. Like, um, as you were saying earlier, just because it's been brought up to date, it doesn't mean it has to have like new, fantastic awesome orchestral pieces it can still be simple yeah. but modern at the same time yeah it? and it's like you know I, I spend a lot of time writing big orchestral stuff so it's quite nice to write something that's not, got, not, got nothing in it at all about for ukulele in the recorder you know yeah, yeah it's quite nice and simple and it makes you think about it a bit more you know yeah, and I remember you sharing a, an awesome video. I think it was by the pool, even. Yeah. Where you just play the ukulele with a kazoo. That's right. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that was for the. Uh, I, was, I, was, I had to do a video for the Kickstarter, and they were trying to because they thought they need something to keep interest going during the Kickstarter campaign because people were just there'd be no money coming in. That's what they thought. So they thought they'd put me out right. doing the ukulele thing and be back backyard, you know, um, and to get interest back in it again. But like in actual fact, because the money went like. Poof, it was a waste of time you did yeah. it in the first place. I just we just took it out anyway, right? Still, it was fun, supposed though. to be like a, a <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to be a promotional thing to get more people interested in the game, but didn't need it in the end. Yeah, it didn't need any more help on the momentum. No, no, a million dollars in one day. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I like learned like that set of chords on the ukulele. I can't, I can't play it. I just learned those chords for Spiral Mountain. That was it, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was curious actually, because um, how many instruments do you actually play yourself? Because well, I know you play guitar. Yeah, but like competently, I'd say I'd play, I'd play tr- guitar and trumpet. Because I was a classically trained trumpet player, right? You know, I did a yeah, yeah. So, so those are the two. Th- I can't play trumpet now. I've played it for years. I'm crap. But, but I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I did. I studied that right up to 22 as a proper classical player. Um, guitar was self-taught. So they're the, the two things that I can actually play properly. Like, I really can't play the keyboards at all. I can't play piano. I'm, um, you know, me, right? I mean, I, it's ironic. I have to use that to compose because I'm such a bad pianist. Um, that, you know, I, I, I couldn't possibly play that. I couldn't play. When I see people play, like, my, my pieces and piano, I just think, God, I wish I could do that because I can't do it, you know? <laughs> you know it's, it's ridiculous. I think I'd benefit from one of those MIDI guitars if I could compose with VST instruments with it. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. We did at Rare. We did try that for a little while. In, back in the day, you could buy a MIDI pickup, and it, it kind of it, it wasn't so, so sophisticated then. So it wasn't great. Um, so yeah. I think on I think maybe on Killer Instinct on the SNES or on the N64, I think we used me playing guitar, playing a synth from the MIDI pickup. Right. Um, okay. A little bit, I think. But I don't think we did it for very long. It just didn't, didn't sound great. But I did use that that Variats guitar, uh, the Line Six one, oh, right. for a, on Pinata quite a lot, and that's got that you know, you know it's a guitar where you can just turn, it sounds like an acoustic guitar and a steel string guitar. It's amazing, like you know that was back in the 2005. It's way it's like it's it's way better now. It's like and it was good then, you know. I thought so. A yeah. lot of the tracks you hear on on Viva Pinata, the ones on the uh, Romance dances, if you hear acoustic guitar or stuff, that's just me playing that Variats guitar straight into the computer. It's, the sounds were great out of it. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, and I think even the banjo, we did buy a banjo actually in the end, but I think maybe some of the early tracks on Nuts and Bolts, I might have used the Variax for the banjo sound on it because it sounded so authentic. Oh, wow. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, but we did buy a banjo in the end, which I played really badly. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, you like you learn four chords and you, get, you didn't get away with it, right? But yeah, so um, yeah, we did try the mini guitar thing. It, it was a bit rough then, but I guess it's better now. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting because I mean, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I used to kind of write music with my guitar, then try and translate it to a keyboard to then write it for another instrument. Right, right. <laughs> I guess I always, I always compose using the instrument I think it's going to be for. You know, right. Okay. Even though I'm a crap keyboard player, I'll if it's if it's a clarinet, I'll get a clarinet sample and I'll play a clarinet sample. You know, that's what I'll do. Yeah. It's not really. It's not. I don't think I've ever done done it that way around. Where I've got I've written a guitar piece and tried to try to orchestrate it. Um, I've never done that. I, thought I usually just, I'm just, I think it's just kind of used to that because I think, you know, that's the way it was a rare all those years ago. You just had your little mini orchestra in, inside the N64. You just played it straight in. So yeah. I've always just played the instrument that, and I think that way, for me, it was like it would at least get it to sound right because you were playing on the instrument that you knew it, it, what, what the range was and the, the, how it phrased stuff and all that, you know. So yeah, that makes sense. Okay, awesome. So, I think we've just about covered almost everything on ukulele All right. <laughs> in the last two interviews and this. Yeah, one. <laughs> I reckon so. I think it's suspend force. <laughs> so, what else have you been working on? So, I've been doing Drop Zone. Nice. Um, so that's that kind of uh, that's a really fun game. That people should play that. It really is. It's a, it's going to be like a a bit of an esports sensation. I think that will be. Yeah. All the all the shows I've done have been like ridiculous successes. Like thousands of people turned out to play it and stuff. You know incredible nice so uh and that's like old friends of mine they were the kind of a lot of the guys that were at big huge games when, when we did kingdoms of Amalur. oh yeah so that's the connection there so uh so they're doing that that's it's out on steam i can play for free um and it's a real it's a really fast frantic you know uh 15 minutes of action game thing <laughs> which is really good and i've written kind of a it's me doing my synth orchestra blend and it's probably getting more synthy now Towards the end, it's on my, web, it's to web, on my website. There's a little I've got like five tunes on the on the drop zone page, 
Um, nice. So you made to hit some stuff from there. But it started off being more kind of hybrid orchestra synth, but it's kind of got more synth, less orchestra as it's gone on. But that's been great fun to do, and I'm really proud of those tracks. Like, I think they sound great. Because um, I'm not known for that kind of style. I haven't done that kind of synth sort of orchestra style, probably since Perfect Dark, really. You know, all right, yeah. yeah, I did a bit on the but you know, which is you know, <coughs> cough for that game, um, um, you know, but um, but not like this, so yes, that's been really really cool to do. Um, but what I have been doing, I've got obviously, I've got my secret project that I can't talk about, not quite yet, it's nearly there, it's, people will be telling you about hearing about it soon, but um, I've actually just written my first bona fide concert piece. Oh, um, wow, so by some, uh, by a bizarre thing, right? Um, there's a trombone player called Ian Bousfield. He's, he was quite literally the best trombone player in the world. I'm not exaggerating. If you, if you Google his name, Ian Bousfield is like the, he's the best trombone player in the world, right? Wow. Uh, and we've been mates since we were like 14 years old, right? We, we, we both played in orchestras in Yorkshire back, back in the day. I've known him for years and years <laughs> and years. And we kind of lost touch maybe for like 30 years at least in our 20, from our 20s onwards. Um, he, and he became mega famous. He's just like... Principally the LSO, now he just tours the world teaching because he's such a megastar. He, he literally is, honestly, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, he's the best trombone player in the world. It's quite peculiar that we kind of were mates, really. Um, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a complete fluke, right? But um, his wife mailed me like a couple of years ago to say, by the way, it's Ian's 50th birthday. I, I want to contact some of his old friends to kind of um, have a little funny story. And I've got a few funny stories back in the day, I was mucking around as kids, you know, so I kind of sent one back. And then he got back in touch again. We got mates on Facebook, and one day he just said to me, he's a typical Yorkshireman, like, now then, Grant, uh, I think your music's quite good. Why don't you write me a piece, you know? <laughs> a bit like that. <laughs> typical Yorkshire. I thought, yeah, I love, you know, love a bit of Yorkshire, you know? And I was like, I was a bit scared at first, because I've never written a bona fide concert piece. I've never written a bona fide solo piece of trombone, right? Yeah. It's basically the best trombone in the world, which is pretty scary. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, I know. So I kind of went, <laughs> uh, I, thought, I can't turn it down, because I love it. And it was great getting back in touch again. So I thought, I'll do it. So um, I've been working on that probably for six months. Um, bit off and on because I've had total other stuff to do. I probably spent two weeks on yeah. it over the last six months, but it's finished now, and it's getting premiered at the International Trombone Festival here in LA actually in uh, in July. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's pretty spectacular. So um, you know, I'm really I've never written a bone, like I say, a bona fide concert piece, and it's a bit. It's been a really strange experience because usually, as a media composer, is what I am, you get hired by somebody to write music for them, and they can they say I don't like it, change this, change that. Yeah. But when you're a, when you kind of do the true composer thing, we just write a piece of music there's no one to run it by except yourself right and it's been weird just kind of oh, yeah it's kind of going it's been weird writing a piece of music and going uh actually i like it that's it <laughs> i don't i don't, I don't <laughs> ask anybody else i just say i like it that's it that's what it's gonna be you know so i sent you like mp3s as i've gone along a bit uh so, so i know he liked it but really i he's, he's not sort of said anything like can he change this can you change this? yeah great because i guess he's a bona fide proper you know instrumentalist who just gets pieces from composers and plays them yeah you know, and like for me to get for me to get a you know a concert piece played by the best person on that instrument in the world is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, for me, uh, it's pretty incredible. Because every yeah. every trombone player in the world is going to want to play it because he's played it. You know, you know, and I've called it Kirkfeld, so it's like it's a, it's it's a mixture <laughs> of our names because he lives in Switzerland now and Feld in Switzerland is Field, so it's Kirkfield, uh, Ian Balsfield, yeah. Grant Kirkhope, so it's called Kirkfeld, uh, and it's dedicated to him, of course. So I, haven't really, I really haven't seen him for like 33 years, probably. So I'm going to see him for the first time at the premiere in in, uh, in LA. It's going to be great to see him. Um, oh, that's incredible. Yeah, and it's been such a you know it's been such a pleasurable um, experience to write something like that and like just do what I want. So 
But he, he said to me, like, he said, we had a quick Skype call. He's like, no, no, what are you going to, what, what you think you're going to write then? You know, like, you know, he's Mr. Yorkshire. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I don't really know you. I thought, so I was thinking about it. I said, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to probably write a Hollywood trombone piece. I said, you know, I live in LA. I'm around that scene all the time. I'd like to write something that, imagine if John Williams had written a trombone piece, what would it, what it would be like? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, that sounds all right, you know. <laughs> so so <laughs> I think I might have said at some point, you know, Star Wars for the trombone, something like that. Uh, so uh, so I think it sounds a bit like that. So I've tried to write something in that genre. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a in tra- instead of trying to write some kind of flashy concerto thing, I've tried to write a piece of music full of tunes yeah. with some technical bits. So I'm hoping that it's going to be melody centric and people are going to remember it. So yeah, like it's a, it's probably about a 12 minute piece, premiered on July the first in uh, in LA. Nice, and will we be able to listen to it online after that? I think they might try and record it live. I'll see, but it's been it's getting published. So that's another thing that I also got one of my own because I went to because I went to the Royal College of Music, right? I've got like a few friends that are you know in that music scene. So. Uh, another friend of mine called Roger Agente is he's a bass trombone player for the Royal Philharmonic. He's been that for the last 25 years, I think. He's a oh, wow. fantastic player. But he also has a, has a publishing company. So I said, I said to Roger, look, do you want to publish it, mate? He says, yeah, I'm, I'll publish it. So he's publishing it. <laughs> and then I got another friend of mine, trumpet player for the Royal Philharmonic Music, called, called Jock McKenzie. His name's Ian McKenzie, but Colin Jock, I don't know why. He's about nine foot six. He's gigantic. Wow. And he, orchest- he orchestrated it. Uh, so it's been Jock orchestrated it, Roger's publishing it, and Ian's playing it. So it's about it's all my mates, you know. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a really fantastic experience, and like it's been a, a different experience for me to do that, you know. So that's been like it's kind of you know because I've been out of that world for, for a long time. I've played, I've been orchestra since twenty two, and I've been around that kind of scene for a very long time. So to get back into it again like this is really spectacular for me. And if people like it, I might write some more. If they hate it, I won't. <laughs> <You know>? uh, yeah. <laughs> Good trial by fire. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Just instantly write for the best trombone player in the world. I know. Honestly, I, I know I say it, but it's, it is, it's, it's such a, I can't believe it. The fact that I've known him, it's only because I've known him since we were kids, right? I would never get anywhere near yeah. him. If it, I mean, it, all these bizarre coincidences linking into one yeah. kind of moment there. But that is crazy. a prime example of composers. That networking thing is super important. Like yeah. those people that you know, that gets you the work. Like that is the most important thing. Those connections you make, you might not use it for 25 years, but there's this example of me knowing Ian from being 14, knowing Roger from, from the role on the Cozy Music and Jock from those from that times, yeah. and it all working out in the end together, you know. That's, you know, it's, it's spectacular. That, and who'd have thought it? If Ian, Ian had messaged me on Facebook to say, you want to write a piece, I'd never have thought about it. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I think that it's such a, um, those connections you make, you just never know what's going to turn up. But it's true connections as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, you guys were really good friends. It's not just making friends for the sake of it, so you can call on favors at any time. It's it's making connections with people in the industry that really matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I mean, um, like you know, Jessica Curry's playing uh, stuff on Classic FM on Saturday night, and, and yeah, yeah. And she's played a couple of mine. You know, uh, she did played the Civilization thing last Friday night, Saturday night, the uh, Fractal Aquion, and she played uh, one of the pieces from Amalor week before. I mean, I don't know Jessica, but she. We kind of hooked up a little bit on on Twitter, uh, and now we're now we're friends now. I'm, I'm I'm down to meet and say hello. You know, when I go to the UK next time, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, that's there's a little thing that you wouldn't think about happening. And you know, to have my music put on Classic FM, it, it is such a thrill. I can't tell you how exciting it is for me. Like it really is. I, I can't put it into words. I, I, it may not, it may affect everybody else like that. But for me, it's like it's tear jerkingly amazing. Like I just can't believe oh, yeah. that I've got a piece of mine. On Classic FM, in my home bloody town, home country of Blighty, you know, getting played on the radio. It, it's so spectacular for me. I can't get over that. Nothing like it. It's just amazing, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it must be phenomenal. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. No, I know. It just, I can't go over that. My wife always goes, what the bloody hell are you, you know, you're crying about now or something, you know. I'm there, oh my God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, you know, she's like, for God's sake, pull yourself together, you know. But I mean, it's, um, I just find it spectacular. I can't get over that. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And you've already accomplished so much and written so much music and worked on so many different projects. What lies in store next that you can actually tell us about? That's it, I think. I can't tell you anymore right now. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, I guess I'm sort of out of work. So I've like, I've, I've drop zones are nearly done. Uh, the, secret, the secret project is done, apart from the trailer. Okay. Uh, Ukulele is done. Uh, so I'm, I'm physically out of contract right now. I have nothing to do at the moment apart from finish those little bits and pieces off. So let's hope that somebody else hires me to do some, some more music or I'll be, uh, the, I'll be stacking shells at Walmart. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll be okay. Well, you never know, do you? I mean, you know, I've seen plenty of composers fall out of favour. It can easily happen. I guess um, so. I think, you know, my friend Jimmy Hinson, who's a big giant circus who writes great music, he, I remember once we are at the GDC with you, and he says, you know, one thing about you, Grant, is you see, you see to manage to stay relevant. And I don't really know how I do that. I don't, it's not like I pre-planned it. It just it seems to happen. <laughs> Yeah. It happen. I don't know how I manage it. It seems, it seems to happen. So I like it when I'm relevant. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's so hope that's a good thing to <laughs> A bit longer. Um, you know, so um, I just think you have to... I don't even know what I do. You know, just messing around on Twitter with, with the people on there. I just have a laugh with the people on there. Maybe a good laugh and it's a bit funny and yeah. they call me a wanker and I call them something else. And, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like just all that stuff. I think that... I think it's it's important not to get an ego. Like, just don't have an ego. What's the point of that? Just be a normal bloke like everybody else. Yeah, Because like, exactly. that's all you are, really. You might write music, but so what? It's not that big a deal. It's just like, you know, be a normal bloke and have a laugh if you can um, <laughs> while, you, while you're going along and hopefully something will come of it. You know, I think it's nice to meet amicable people. Like, I've met a, a, a load of composers who are just, you know, arrogant shits, you know, really, who think, why are you like that? And I, and I met a ton of other great people who are really, really nice. Like Austin Winter's great, and Danny Vanoski's great, Jimmy's great. You know, I've met tons of composers that, that are really good, good people to know. You know, and they're a good laugh. And it's just like we're all together on the same boat trying to make a living, you know. Yeah. So I like that thing. I, I hate that egoy, anti great. If I ever get like that, please tell me. I'll shoot myself. I don't, I, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> you know, I, I want to be a normal bloke who just writes music and that's for the best, you know. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, right? I'll no, keep you in chat. definitely. If I get like that, just let me know, and I'll, my wife will sort it up. <laughs> yeah, just drop you a tweet. Yeah, too right. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I won't keep you too much longer. Thanks again for joining us, Grant. It's been an absolute pleasure as always, and we look forward to hearing about this top secret project very soon. Oh yes, absolutely. I know. Yes, who knows what it could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, we'll uh, catch you then. Definitely. Nice to talk to you. Great stuff. Thank you for listening to the Sound Architect podcast, sponsored by Krotos Limited, creators of Simple Monsters and Dehumanizer. Don't forget you can also catch all of our great reviews and other articles at our website at www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. If you would like to support the Sound Architect, please check out our sponsorship link as well as our Patreon.